Hey everybody, welcome to Tender Friends, the only podcast about chicken tenders and chicken nuggets. I'm Michael Walker. And I'm Eric Wilson. Welcome to an exciting edition of Tender Friends. It is the first episode of Chef Month. It's a new thing we're trying here uh, because we have very little sh- you know, cooking expertise. It's a new thing we're trying here. a new here. thing. We're changing the format of the show. Uh, but we're very excited to kick off this uh, month of interviews and contests. So I, we should first start by like giving a rundown of what the month is going to be. Yeah, for wait, sure. this is a contest. At the well, end. At the end, it's so a contest. Get, get ready for the, this. Yeah. So not not with you. You don't. Not have with to you. Yeah, you no pressure. Oh, okay. Um, so we will for the next three weeks interview three of LA's best chefs. Yes. And we will talk to them about their uh, journey in chefhood, what, if you will. What chicken means to them? What chicken means to them? What tenders mean to them? Um, their, their businesses, their restaurants, uh, all that stuff. And then we're also going to get some tips by going into the kitchen with a lot of these guys and seeing how they make their tenders. And at the end of the month, for the fourth episode of the month, we are going to go head-to-head, you and I, and see who can make the best tender. Yeah, we're going to see what tips we've picked up along the way from these three chefs to try and truly beat each other. Because we did this on episode 25. Yeah. And this is episode 108. Yeah. We have not like gone head you to head. You guys should since. see out there the steely cold gaze that these guys are looking at <laughs> as they discuss the competition. Like the mood yeah. in the room instantly drops. It's tense. Yeah. It's freezing right and now. And it gets it's so tense. cold. I get yeah. my nipples. Yeah. It's bad. Are hard. So this will be, yeah, this will be the second competition. You won the first competition. I did, yes. uh, whatever. Um, but uh, we are going to go head-to-head with a lot of expertise. Not only these three weeks of talking to these great chefs, but 100 episodes of, of going to these places and, and trying yeah. tenders. Yeah, yeah. So we've, we've had come to a long way. picked up some things <laughs> along the way. Uh, so we're the excited gout. to see who wins. <laughs> the gout? The gout. <laughs> no, Eric already had gout. I, have, I had gout before the podcast. <laughs> Eric already had it. Um, and uh, we'll see who wins round two. And then, you know, if, if you win, then there's no need for a round three. If I win, we have to go, you know, yeah, around three, but round three. in another 100 episodes. In another 100 episodes, yeah. yeah. Oh, wait, um, so you're saying if you lose, this just ends? No, no, no. The, just the, the competition. I don't mean the podcast, end. but I mean, like, so even if you guys go for, like, another 500 episodes. I am never surprised. I'm very again. surprised that he said you're that. You're just like, I'm done. I'm well, like, how many times that. can we make, like, unless we're doing know, specific. the doll handedly in tennis, and I'm, I'm sure you guys are huge tennis fans. So yeah, I mean, big. To, to yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. our second podcast. Yeah, that's our favorite, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tennis friends. Yeah. Tennis buddies. Yeah. <laughs> um, but eventually, Nadal caught up, and now arguably he's playing better tennis. Yeah, it took I mean, 10 years. But here's the so, thing. So, like, sometimes you got to take your beatings, dude. I, I only lost by, like, two points. It was very close the first time. I think mine are better. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm okay with letting <laughs> judges, him have it. Uh, well, so we had, well, we, it was our friends, mm-hmm. uh, the first episode. Uh, so the, the Connor need, and Danny. You need Connor and Danny. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, yeah, it was one of like my, at the time, one of my closer friends and one of his closer friends. So yeah. it was more even yeah. in that regard. Um, but I won. But he won. By and, a couple and, points. And this time we're going to have, uh, do you want to say who we're Yeah, there? I'll say because 
if they, it changes, it changes. But okay. right now we've got uh, Kate Green, Max Block from T- Taste Maid's Table Setting Podcast with um, Royce Burke is going to come. Royce Burke and gives the best hugs. I'll, oh, I'll get one from him. In the entire industry. Now well, let me, winners that, should get a Royce Burke hug. Oh, let me put it this that's way. Good. That would be great. Yeah. I love that. Let that's, me put it, that's, let me what's, on the, that's what's on the line. I have not spoken with Royce Burke. I've spoken with Kate and Max. And Royce will do it. But they said that, yeah. So Royce is down for every cause in the world. If you follow Royce on Instagram, you'll see like Royce is everywhere. Royce Burke is omnipresent. Oh no, I know. I've been to so many food events where Secret Lasagna. But is even there. if it's like, even if he's not there, like he's like on the line cooking next to the person yeah, who's yeah, there, yeah, yeah, or yeah, he yeah. just like happens to be there giving out hugs. Like yeah. he's just. He's really into hugs, huh? It just seems. Like I, 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 it might guy. just be that I'm into his hugs, <laughs> okay. and so like I pick up on the hugs more. Good. Hey, everyone has their thing. That's fine. Why I'm, not? I'm Everybody has a fetish. Like I can sit there and say, like, yeah, dude. <laughs> oh, he's giving them a hug. Now. <laughs> I, mean, I can go in for a second oh, one. No, you put on a mustache <laughs> and get a second one. Like, Hello, boys. My name is Frank. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So that's the plan for the month. Um, we're gonna have three great chefs. Uh, you, you've already heard one of them before we introduce them, but we'll, we'll, we'll introduce him. I wrote it first time I ever. <laughs> it's first time I ever wrote credits, notes down. You got credits, yeah. So that way we can get it right because that's nice. you, you're so accomplished and you've done so much, and we want to make sure we hit on all of that. So that's the plan for the next month. Um, next week we'll have Holden Jagger on the show. Yeah, we're gonna um, cook some weed infused tenders with him. And then the week after that, we're gonna tell you later who that third person is, because <laughs> yeah. we're saving it. Yeah. Um, so that's exciting. So let's introduce our first guest to kick off Chef Month. Uh, we're very excited to have him. We've already reviewed his place in a previous episode. Uh, Chef Eric Greenspan is here with us today. He's an award-winning chef, uh, including a James Beard nominee for his for best new restaurant for. The Foundry on Melrose. I'm not even sure that's actually true. <laughs> I saw it online. I've read that about so me online. Must be I've true. read that about me online too, and I don't remember that. But those years were hazy. Continue. Perfect. Well, we're gonna say you're a James <laughs> yeah, Beard nominee for best new restaurant for the Foundry on Melrose. Uh, you also have Greenspan's Grilled Cheese, uh, the Rooftop on Melrose. You've done a lot of things, and we have. We're gonna talk about Boo Boo's and all the places you're running right now. Uh, later on in the show, but uh, you've been on Food Network, Guys Grocery Games, you're a Weight Watchers ambassador, you've done a lot, you've covered a lot in the food world. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You're behind <laughs> my favorite restaurant in LA, which is no longer there. Which was that? All right. Yeah. Oh my I God. was obsessed wasn't with that, it. Wasn't that restaurant awesome? It's the best restaurant I've ever been to. I, it was my, I'll, I'll it. tell you what, and I've, I've done a lot of restaurants, I've closed a lot of restaurants, mm. which is awesome. <laughs> um, I'm good at it. That's one thing we want to talk about, though, because we had we'll Farley Elliott on the show, and, and he, we talked a little bit about that, so yeah. um, we're interested to hear um, your take on But uh, that was my favorite restaurant of all of them. Yeah, it's great. Mar- on Melrose. Not, Melrose. not the Silver Lake no, one, not the Santa Monica one. Of course. The Melrose one, dude, where you had to walk through Greenspan's mm-hmm. Grilled Cheese, and like, I'd be sitting at the computer doing office work, and people yep. like, is this where you go? Like, I yeah, met right. you there. You're like, right through the door, go through the door. Right. Yeah, that restaurant was never going to make a penny. Well, it, you know, it looked like it kind of. It's the most beautiful place in the world. How could it possibly... Nobody wanted to get up. So I could... You're right, because right. it's pretty. I had no bar, so I had like two-hour lines. Yeah. And I was giving people free sangria and free grilled cheese sandwiches just to keep yeah. them happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. And that is not a recipe. But it was dope. And, and it was dope. <laughs> and then I took the exact same menu and wine list and brought it to better locations with yeah. bars and private dining rooms and all of the things that you need to succeed with roofs. Yeah. You know, front doors, yeah. all the things that one would want in a restaurant. And they 
tanked. Yeah. Front doors are popular in restaurants. Yeah. I've seen a couple. Because you couldn't. (laughs) You couldn't capture the magic that yeah. was that Melrose spot. It's so good. So let's talk about how you got started. What what was the moment that you said I want to be a chef? Um, and we should say I, sorry before we go further. We are recording in a kitchen right now. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So this is the most. Yeah. Very nice of you to invite us down yes, here. Yes. Thank you. Chicken in your kitchen. We're really on location. Hundred percent. We'll post some videos from this. So I don't even remember if there ever was a time that I did say that I wanted to be a chef. I knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that I needed a job mm-hmm. after freshman year in college. Mm-hmm. My roommate was had restaurant experience. He was like raised in restaurants, so he was working at restaurants that had and had apps out, right? Resumes out. Sure. Um, we got a call on the fourth of July when the USA was playing Brazil in the World Cup okay. in USA, and <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. like, "Fuck!" He's like, "Dude, so there's a job opening. You should go get this job." I'm like, "Fuck no." gonna go get a job right now like, <laughs> yeah 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 watching soccer and he's like no dude. he's like did you gotta how many get a, people say that he's like dude you gotta get a job and i'm like okay that's fair so i went in and took this dishwasher job okay. busboy job at this cafe where i went to college over in berkeley so while i was in college at berkeley i took this dishwasher job and about three or four hours in the restaurant was getting hammered the kitchen part was getting sure. hammered and i went to the owner and i said that looks like a lot of fun i want to do that Okay. And he's like, do you have any kitchen experience? And I literally pushed one minute start on the microwave and went. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, you're hired. And so I was like a prep cook for like two weeks. And then the chef and the sous chef were both like transient drug addict, like Mm -hmm. classic pirate, (laughs) lifelong ex-con. Like, like, like the chef Richard was like a, like a, with like a meth addict Creole. He was like, (laughs) he's a call me college boy, like college boy. Can't can't even crack an egg with one hand. And he thought (laughs) that the owner was out to get him. uh, Obviously. And so he had like a paranoid fit and was going to quit. And so he quit, and then Brownie, who was his like side, I say sous chef, it was just the two of them, you know, mm-hmm. it was, right. it was yeah, breakfast yeah. joint. Yeah. Um, and Brownie, who just got out of jail for selling acid on Dead Tour, <laughs> okay. was like, Richard, if you leave, then I'm leaving. Oh, like no. solidarity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was looking at the dude like, I don't know much, but like, I don't know if that's the dude you're tying your loyalty <laughs> anchor to. You know what I mean? Like yeah, he's yeah. homeless. <laughs> no offense to the homeless. You know what I mean? Like I, right, I feel yeah, for them. Yeah, like, yeah. Right. Um, so they both walked out. It was like a Sunday morning and the, and the boss was like, can you do it? And I'm like, I can try. Yeah. And I crushed wow. a Sunday service by myself. Not smoothly. Like I don't, but like, sure. you were it. the only chef in the kitchen. I was kitchen. like, in the kitchen. Um, it was a two man line. Okay, fair, fair. And then they both walked, and I just stepped in and did it. Still, though, the work of yeah, three people is eggs. a lot. Cooking eggs is hard. So I banged it out, and from that point on, I was like, this is what I want to do for a living. Sure. So I didn't know that I wanted to be a chef. So arguably, it was the excitement of, the, of a busy kitchen that, it was, that got I'm you I'm somebody it. who likes to accomplish things. Yeah, sure. And there is no other business in the world where you've got five minutes to accomplish 20 things, mm-hmm. and you have to do them, far, or you should want to do them perfectly. Yeah. And then your reward for doing that is you get 20 more things to do. Sure. And so by the time that first service was done, my sense of accomplishment was through the fucking roof. Yeah. Because like my entire life up to that point was like, bar mitzvah... You know, student body president. Like, there's some shit, but it was like, I've maybe accomplished five or six things in my life. Yeah, yeah I just yeah, accomplished a yeah. hundred things. Yeah, in like in one night, one day. So it was very gratifying. The yeah. job as well. 
And so that's when I, like, I got into the business. Okay. Um, and then I was like, look, I can't justify like graduating. Like I'm not going to like drop out of Berkeley and be a short order cook. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, so I'm going to go work. Like I, I came to a realization that you can always, if you know how to cook steaks, you can always cook burgers. But if you only know how to cook burgers, you can never cook steaks. Sure. And so I was like, I'm going to just go work, you know, as the, the try hard that I am. I'm like, I'm going to go work for just the best chefs that I can. Yeah. And so that's when I kind of started on my trajectory. That's when I went to Cordon Bleu. I moved to Paris for a year. Went oh, to okay. Cordon Bleu. Then I moved to New York City. Around what year? 97. Okay. World Cup, right before the World Cup. Right, okay. My whole life is bookended by, by World, the World by Cup. The World <laughs> yeah, Cup. sure. And I'm a huge, yeah. Soccer is basically my guiding light. Okay. That's not true. Um, <laughs> we'll write that down. I, um, but so I, and then I moved to New York right before the World Cup came because I'm like, there's a bunch of dudes and cops showing up to Paris. They're, you know, like, I'm out of here. <laughs> like, yeah, now's yeah, the yeah. time to leave. Yeah. Uh, so I left and moved to New York, and then I worked for, like, Rocco Despirito, yep. and I worked for David Boulay, and I worked for Alain Ducasse. Cool. And then I went to Spain, and I worked at El Bui when El Bui was, like, with Ferran Adria, when it was, like, right at the time where it was, like, really making significant changes in the culinary landscape. Where it was, like, where everybody was taking notice, like, wow, this is, like... And forward yeah. was it difficult for you to just pick up and move like that, though? I mean, it sounds like it's not just like getting restaurant gigs in, in a couple cities in, in the United States. Like this was like you went to other countries. I mean, I had I had some help along the way at all times. Yeah. Like my, my roommate in college, who's my best friend to this day, uh, had it was half French and had an apartment in Paris and was moving there for the summer. So I'm like, yo, can I come? Yeah, yeah. And like, I didn't even do research. Like, I didn't even know if the Cordon Bleu was good yeah. or bad. Like, I just be like, <laughs> it's in Paris. They have English translators for the first semester and the dollar's strong. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, let's yeah, go yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. And I didn't have to pay for pastry class. Like, yeah. I was like, you could choose to, like, I just want to do savory. I'm not going to do pastry. I can get a cheaper rate just to do that. And so I was like, I'm in. Yeah. Like, Spain, I had a friend who I was a line cook with in New York who knew those guys. And it's like, and had worked there. And so he knew how to set me up. So it was pretty seamlessly easy to get in there. So I've always had, but no, like, look, dude, I've lived for a very long time. I think, and I think the best way to be a line cook is to be open to those kind of like my whole life fit in a duffel bag and a yeah. milk crate for for years mm -hmm. sure you know so what was then you go through culinary school and you start kind of working your way up through these restaurants what was your first uh big milestone achievement you know on your on your journey to where you are now like what was your I mean, first look, working for Rocco Despirito and then at Union Pacific and at the time was probably the hardest kitchen to work in in New York. Yeah. And I still think that some of the food that we put out there might be because I was a little bit more wide-eyed, um, but the food that we put out of there was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, Top-notch stuff. R rising, you know, we, we were at the top of our game there. Like I, every time I've worked, like David Boulay, an absolute classic genius in the New York City food world. And then being able to go work at, at Ducasse, which was like the first of the fine dining, three-star Michelin French chefs coming to America. Sure. Mm. Like it's now all over, they're in Vegas and they're everywhere, but this was like the first time that somebody tried that. Sure. And to be a part of that experience was insane, just to see the level you could operate at. Sure. And then to go to El Bouilly, where it's like the exact opposite of Ducasse, as far as like traditional versus like completely creative. And, and to do that. So these were all great milestones. I mean, I guess, I think the, the answer that you're looking for is when I became the executive chef at Patina. Okay. So when I moved back to LA, so like after 9-11, I I, Ducasse was like, you can still work here, but we're not going to pay you. I'm like, <laughs> Right, yeah, bye. <laughs> you know, go fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, and I didn't want to leave New York, but um, 
kind of had to like there was no work there it was hard mm-hmm. um and so after a couple of months like i went to a restaurant um at rockefeller center and i forget the name of it but like i went there and i was like you need two line cooks pay me for one and a half of them i'll do both their jobs yeah because i want to stay in new york mm. sure but then i was like i'm kind of wasting my time now i have like family back in la like my nephews are growing up like it's time yeah. So I moved back to LA and I became the sous chef of Patina. Okay. And then six months later when Walter Mansky left, I became the executive chef. Sure. And that was like the first real like, whoa. I mean, I guess going back though, like I, I do like that answer of you, of, of like each one of your big milestones was like actually working at a cool place because I think that that's something, I don't know if I could speak to the, like your experience in LA, but I feel like that that's a representation of LA right now in, in, in the comedy scene or anywhere else is it's like, you could shoot to be on Saturday Night Live, but that's like not anyone's big achievement anymore. Everyone's mm-hmm. big achievement is all of these things like that you get along the way. Well, but it's also that it's like, it's also how do you break out what your big achievement is? Like, I never would have yeah. gotten the executive chef job at Patina if I didn't work. If exactly. I, if I didn't work yeah. salads at Boulay. But I think it's butterfly just, effect. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, was which was the more important one? Arguably, working salads at Boulay was the important one because right. that's what set yeah. solidified my dedication and focus and standards in fine dining, and that's what eventually led to me getting the executive chef job at Patina. Yeah, that led. To the, 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 I just like I love that mindset. I think that's the best mindset to have. On just like we're looking back at what you're doing, we're gonna stick. We're gonna stick with that answer then. <laughs> <laughs> so once you get to LA, what, what was the journey then? Patina mm. for about a year and a half. Um, we got Wine Spectator at the time was like the big review back then and Zagat's Guide and we got like top four in Zagat's mm-hmm. Guide and we got, and, and the review, and I will always remember this and I like reciting it and it's fucking, you know, <laughs> when they said, um, I have never had a better meal in Los Angeles than the near perfect one I ate at Patina under Eric Greenspan. Wow. And I was like 27 years old and I was like. <laughs> Sup? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's awesome. And then six months later, I was fired. <laughs> is it a lot of turnover? What, what, what were you fired? A lot of turnover. For? They moved the restaurant to the Walt Disney Concert Hall, where okay. it sits now. It was originally where Providence is. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, I was an absolute wild man back then. Okay. And the food was great, but like they that were like moving it. They were moving. No, it didn't go to my <laughs> head, but like. They were moving it to like they the company was becoming more corporate and they were moving it from Patina on Melrose where we were doing like 150 covers and really going for it to like you know Walt Disney Concert Hall where it's like you know some people 300 yeah, covers right. and it's like 150 of them are in there for an hour pre theater yeah and it's a different experience it's an experience I wanted to tackle yeah and I think I would have killed it but I understood why why they were like. I think we're gonna go with somebody else. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and it was cool. But then um, where, where'd you go from there? A couple consulting gigs to pay the bills yeah. here and there. I went back to New York to cook to just be a line cook for a while for okay. a couple months with a friend of mine, my friend Doug Saltis. I was like his, like I was like a line cook for him. Just like I'm just gonna go back to cooking. I was only 27 at the time. Like it was fine to go back to just yeah. being a line cook in New York. I was right. like, part of me was like, cool. Yeah. I'm good now. And like, you still I, had I some clout. You know, yeah. Um. And then I came back to LA and I opened up a restaurant called Maison G, mm-hmm. which is now in the Auburn space, I think it's called. But before that, it was so it was the original Citrus restaurant. Okay. Um, so I opened up uh, Maison G there with Tim Goodell and got four star reviews and then got fired from that place. <laughs> um, that one was a whole other story. It was because 
whatever, we're not going to make excuses. <laughs> um, got fired from there, and then that's when I was like, I'm never going to work for anybody again. Sure. Um, yeah, okay. So that was like the moment when and you then, were like... And then it took me three years to get the Foundry on Melrose open. Okay. And in the meantime, I was a, I was a culinary school teacher. Cool. What did awesome. you teach? What did you teach in the, in the school? I, I taught like the, the last class, like the restaurant... Stuff. Oh, like mm-hmm. oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I remember I had this lady who I whose name I forget. I loved her to death. She was like this, like, like house, this like Armenian housewife lady, and she said, "Chef Greenspan, you make my ears bleed." <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. But yeah. I, but I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, if that's not an endorsement for teaching, then yeah. what is? Yeah. So oh, yeah. So we have some, uh, so we've already tried some tenders, uh, some boo-boos, burgers and birds, tenders that we've had on the show before, and then we got to watch you, so we'll talk a little bit about them and how we went through that, but yeah. we have some other stuff coming in yeah. uh, the door right now as well. A tray of sauces. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll continue my story later. I want to I talk We got some more tenders. So, when I heard your guys' pot, first of all, I really appreciated the, the truth of your... Of your uh, oh, wait, can you leave that hot tender? I didn't try it. Thank you. <laughs> Touching the hot tenders. I, like I didn't. I didn't. I want to try it. Gold. <laughs> um, so again, so when you guys talk about it, you guys kind of, you slammed our sauces, and I remember like I remember telling Julio, uh, this is an interesting case because we've never had a person whose whose food we reviewed on the podcast after the fact, so we're a little nervous. But go on. But no, I mean you guys were super honest, and I appreciated it, and you, and you did love the tenders, and then you were like, but the sauces are kind of like eh. And I'm always like, oh, like I took the sauces proud. So we actually came back and redid a lot of the sauce work. Because it was more of, about because of us. Because of you guys. <laughs> it was more about catching the, like the the recipes are still the same. It was about catching catching the the inaccuracies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sure. how to make it more consistently good. Because the reality is, like, dude, when you're in a ghost kitchen, you don't get the feedback. From yeah, the customers. you don't get to see yeah. the people. And so you don't know, like, so, like, like green Spanish grilled cheese. Someone would eat a sandwich, like, yeah, hey, man. I thought that was a little salty. And like, oh, cool, let me taste. Oh, yeah, you're right. Let's fix that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, here yeah. you don't. Right. Yeah. You never hear. And it again, so, like, really. when I heard you guys talking about, it, I was like, here's two dudes. Don't know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, I'll take it. Yeah, but have an honest opinion, and those are the people whose opinion I want to, you know, to love what we do. Yeah. Well, so let, let's. Tell us what you were telling us in the kitchen. What did we get wrong? What, what is, what, tell us about these tenders. Yeah, but this is right, your so chance you, to clear the air for any corrections we may have had. Um, I don't even remember. I remember that the mustard was off. The honey mustard was off. Yeah, we did not like that. Um, it's, it was a maple mustard. It yeah. is now a brown sugar mustard. Okay. Hmm. Um, and I thought that it was too loose, and, and we added mayo to it. It's, yeah, I had it today. It's great. Yeah. It's, it's mayo. It's it's the, the big difference is, is, is the little bit more brown, brown sugar instead of maple. Okay. But also... Um, but also uh, the mayo ad. Yeah, it's thicker. Um, I don't think you liked our buffalo. Okay. Um, and I don't know why, so I didn't change that, but I think you'll like it now. Yeah, it's great. Thank you. It's like tangy. We add a lot of roasted garlic to it. It's one of the keys. There's garlic in there. Yeah. Um, that is deeper. And then the ranch, which frankly has always been a challenge for us because we, I, I was like, we are making our own ranch. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of a Greek yogurt Always ranch. points for that. Um, and so we make our own ranch, but like, frankly, ranch is hard. And, and the ranch that you had was too thick. Yeah. I remember it being like, it was, it was too yogurty. yogurty. Like it was yogurt. It, it was, was just, it yogurt. was a, it was a thing of fucking yogurt. And what we were finding out was that like the guys just weren't taking the, t- like we didn't catch, we weren't tasting through them enough mm-hmm. to catch them. Sure. And so it became a lesson. Like, I think that the viscosity on this one is strong. 
Yeah, no, this is, again, and we've talked about it on the show a lot. I am not somebody who likes Thick Ranch, mm-hmm. but this Thick Ranch is, like, if I'm going to eat Thick Ranch, this is what I want. Yeah, well, this, and this is way less thick than the one that you had. For sure. I mean, yours was literally straight up, mm-hmm. like, yogurt. All right, it's so. Totally Julio's fault. <laughs> yeah, we have your right-hand man, Julio, here. Yeah. Uh, when I make this shit, it's bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, cool. Um, I love when we're like in the middle of my story and then the chicken arrives and then we're like, <laughs> we're like we don't care. Never about mind, you dude. You can keep going. What? Tell it, keep going. No, that was fun. Google me for the rest of the shit. Let's talk about chicken. Well, I do wanna know I do wanna know like what like this sounds so stupid to assume that because we have just like a chicken history and like it's been such a present part of our lives that everybody does. But when did like when what does chicken mean to you? So chicken for me was so the Foundry on Melrose was my first restaurant that I opened, 2007. Yeah. And that's when chicken became really important. Because when you own the restaurant, yeah. like, like when I ran Patina or I ran, um, I'm sorry, I'm eating chicken in the microphone. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. Thank you, Hulu. When I ran Patina or I ran Mason G, and this is probably one of the reasons why I got fired, I was like, this ain't my money. Like, right, sure. Just go. I yeah. have a reputation to build here. Let's cook. Yeah. yeah, and it was like squab and duck and foie gras, blah, 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 blah. And like, frankly, like, and I, and I still think this to this day about a lot of great chefs. It's like, yeah, dude, like, like when I had the foundry on Melrose was the middle of the, re- like, the recession hit like three months into the foundry. Mm, okay. And we were like at the point where it's like, we have to go to, we're showing up with whatever money is in the bank, in the safe to fucking restaurant depot. And, you know, and that's when I was like, if you can make great food from Restaurant Depot, then you're a chef. Yeah. Like, just because you can take, you know, amazing Wagyu steak and serve it with a truffle on it. Like, mm-hmm. are you really that great of a chef? Right. Because, like, yeah. I mean, there is something to be said about highlight ingredients. But, like, like, but to me, like, I was like, when I opened up the foundry, I was like, chicken. Yeah. Like, we have to perfect how we cook chicken. Chicken is what's the most important thing to us because there's margins on chicken, mm-hmm. and people will judge you by your chicken. And if you can make a chicken that blows somebody's mind, you're onto something. Yeah, sure. And that's something we found on the show is, you know, we've done almost 100 places, and the ones that stand out are the ones that aren't just those store-bought tenders or aren't the store-bought chicken, and, and, and there's something interesting to them what and is that? unique. Is that the blue cheese? Oh, it's so good. That's basically, and like full disclosure, it's the Greek yogurt ranch, and we add crumbled blue It's cheese. very good. Sorry, go on. Um, no, go fuck yourself. I just got, I just got blown away by the sauce. <laughs> that's good. So the sauce changes worked. What about that's, the- That's the awesome sauce, which started out as the hash brown dipping sauce for the, for the, for the hash brown nugs for brekkie. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then boo-boos, eventually, we just added it as we're like, well, they're not, we can't call them breakfast nugs, but we can call them hand-cut tater tots. And boom, <laughs> now hand-cut tater tots are an item on boo-boos. Like, yeah, that's yeah. the ghost kitchen world for you in a nutshell. You're for like, sure. Awesome sauce becomes spicy mayo. Yeah, it's yeah, the yeah, same yeah. exact thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. A Let's different talk- stamp on the bag. You're like, genius. <laughs> Let's talk about what a ghost kitchen is because this is a, a unique thing to not – there's not many locations – in the country that have these kind of things, right? No, no, we are. You, you gentlemen are currently, and I know it feels this way, you are sitting in the future. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe. 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 It not. seems cool. Maybe. Um, so look, basically, uh, let's, let's set where we are. So we're in a, a basically like an apartment building in, in mid-city that's just each, each apartment is a different kitchen, yep. and it's just a dozen or so restaurants inside this building, and they all 
are here for Grubhub and Uber Eats and all those places. Mm-hmm. So, the, the, so the drivers come to this location and pick up from one of the, of the few restaurants in mm-hmm. here, and, and you have several of them in your one kitchen. Bingo. <laughs> should we should we try these while they're sitting? Yeah, yeah. Try that one. So this right here, so when when you guys another thing when you guys were talking about it like was like, yo, by the way, are you noticing how that's getting crispier while it sits? Yeah, why is that? Just kind of the way that we the 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 way we what we put in the batter to start and what we put in like we really wanted to pay attention for things that like as they cooled, they they crisp. Yeah. Which yeah. is important because everything in here is delivery. Yeah. So, so what, what, was the, what was the idea behind the ghost kitchen or, or putting all the money behind that? So, first of all, I didn't put a lot of money behind it. Um, it was a che- Like, I had just closed six restaurants, right? Mm-hmm. We had sure. three Mares, Greenspan's Grilled Cheese, the Roof on Wilshire, uh, which is not closed, but I left it. Um, Flayshix was a consulting opportunity right. that we opened, um, and, we had, and they all closed. Mm. And I was like, well, I have to do – I want to do something in the world. Um, I can't raise a lot of money right now. Like that's not (laughs) so. Anybody got a million dollars? You know what I mean? Like that's not gonna happen. And I had I had been toying around this idea with my partners from the Mori area uh, about doing this thing called Chino, which was you know, which was, which was the first brand that we launched in the Ghost Kitchen. And I met the guy who owns this company, who's now partnered with Travis Kalnick over at Uber. Okay. Um, But he owned this and was like, "Yeah, I'd love for you to come in." And do something, and I was like, "You guys still available?" Like we had been talking to them for like a year, and then shit got haywire with all the restaurants. We kind of stopped talking to them. Yeah. And then whenever we dropped out, I, I you know, I, I found a guy who was like, "I'm into it, but I want to do it. I want to incubate. I want to do multiple concepts." We learned really quickly that one brand, unless it's established and people know it, yeah, doesn't do enough business or draw enough eyeballs to make it work. You have to have different brands working out of it. Now, there's mm-hmm. some people who do this who will be like, they just do like five burger brands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But I didn't want to play that game. I wanted because what I wanted to do was I wanted to have concepts that had that showed breadth mm-hmm. of ability and, and techniques yeah. and flavors and, and, and strength. And, and I wanted each concept to be what I consider top of its niche. Okay. So Chino, Asian Latin fusion, I wanted it to be the best fast food style Chinese food restaurant that I can give. Okay. Right? Um, with the Latin edge and the Asian edge, but like that. Mm-hmm. Boo boos, I want it to be the best fried chicken burgers. That we can, that, that, that can be wings, everything, right? Um, Brecky breakfast burritos, same with breakfast burritos and, and just breakfast in general. Two on a roll is my favorite sandwich in the world. It's a bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich yeah. that you would get in New York City. Like and you just can't get them out here. But I wanted them all to be kind of top. And none of them kind of cannibalize each other because then what I wanted to do, which is what I launched a couple of months ago called the Alt Grub Faction. And what the Alt Grub Faction is, is a food court. Like an Eric Greenspan virtual food court. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you could order across all of my brands. So you can get now. I know what you guys would just order boo boos because <laughs> all you eat are tenders. Yeah. Right. But like you can get an orange chicken burrito and you can get a, a chopped cheese from Two on a Roll and your friend can get the chili quiles from Brecky. Yeah. And and all, all of it can order. come in one order. Yeah. You can't accomplish that when you have like five different pizza brands. Yeah. Because nobody gets a fuck. Exactly. This is something I've been noticing on Postmates a lot is all these random places I've never heard of and they all have the same address. So like it's all that's, right here. it's it's right here, but the address isn't here. Like I think there's one. Where do you live? I, uh, behind Cantor's. There's like I, I ordered a grilled cheese place the other day, and it came from where Cantor's is. Yeah, Cantor's has one called uh, Grilled Cheese Heaven. Heaven. That's yeah. it. Okay, okay. Yeah. I was like, what is this? That's so weird. Well, so that's the thing is that Ghost Kitchen. So like, there's places like this that are like virtual facilities, right? Mm-hmm. Where yeah, yeah. All yeah, you're yeah. doing are is is a ghost kitchen, and then there's 
ghost brands or virtual brands, right? Yeah. Which is where I have an existing kitchen, like Cantor's on on Fairfax. Yeah. And they come up with additional brands using the same kitchen and the same team and the same thing to just grow their sales. Huh. That's interesting. And that's the thing. I mean, look, delivery is a major part of how people eat these days, and it's growing. Yeah. It's the biggest part that's growing. You have to. What I tell people is this: like, do, do I know if ghost kitchens are the future? I don't know. I know that I've learned a ton. Yeah. I actually think what's interesting about what we do, what's more interesting about what we do, is not the fact that it's delivery only, but the fact that we can do multiple kitchens out of one. Yeah, concept. yeah, we yeah. Can do multiple yeah. concepts out of one kitchen. Yeah. That is actually, and that is not what we set out to do here, but that is what is special. Yeah, about what yeah. we've done here. I don't know that many people who can replicate that. At least not with the same. Like, like there's places that do that, but they're like. We have our pizza oven over here and our sandwich station over here. I'm like, fuck that. I got two cooks. Yeah. And they bang all of these different brands. And I pay attention to the mechanics. And I pay attention to, like, that sausage gets mixed with that and turned into that meatball. And that sure. sauce gets married with that sauce and goes with that. And, Using all parts of everything. And so there's a lot of, of care. So I think that's actually what's interesting. Now, is that does that work better in a brick and mortar with a bunch of ghost brands? Instead of a ghost kitchen facility only, I don't know yet. Yeah. Well, like then nobody but, knows. But That's the, what's crazy about this world is that there's literally no blueprint to yeah. follow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you do that, then you're just opening up your own food court, right? Essentially. If you, if yeah, you but like you can do mortar. it where like one of the things I've thought about doing is opening up like a Boo Boo's here, a Brecky's here, a Chino there, a Tuna Roll there. But all of the brands are available online out of all those places. Mm-hmm. So what you do is you wind up in with four restaurants, you launch four regional chains mm-hmm. yeah. instead of one flagship for four brands. Gotcha. Sure, right, yeah. So how many how many businesses are in your one spot right now? You said nine? So there's nine because I just formed I just formed a partnership agreement with another with a lar- with like a really na- a large national restaurant uh uh brand. Yeah. Um who's really interested in the space. And so we kind of cohabitate the kitchen now. But I, I've teamed up with them because I want to help, you know, market and scale and yeah, yeah. Do so all ha- the things that it, that it, I could that you know how to do, right. that you can help people with. Right. How many menu items is that though? Yeah, I mean, I know that between hours alone, it's probably 60, 65. Yeah. It's like, look at the Cheesecake Factory, dude. And then if every page of that menu was a different brand. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's not crazy. But what these places do it. So what's your honest opinion on that? Do you think this, I mean, you say you don't know, but do you think this is going to, like Ghost Kitchens and, and that tying in with the digital ordering and everything, is that is that the future? It sounds like it is, I right? think delivery is the future. Yeah. And I think maximizing for delivery is the future. Yeah, sure. Um, do, I also think that, do I think that facilities like this are the future? I don't know. I still think that a restaurant needs a forward-facing element. I think mm-hmm. you need to have an opportunity to be able to say, because like, like right now, I tell people about what I'm doing, and I generate more frustration than excitement. Yeah. yeah. Fuck, I can't eat it. Yeah, I can't get it. Yeah, like we're talking to the to the millions and millions and millions of people who listen to your podcast, absolutely. Right now, yeah, right. And those people aren't able to buy my tenders. No, right. Yeah. Or they can hear about it. You know, like let's say all of your fans in Rancho Cucamonga, mm-hmm. right, are hearing this. big Rancho following. Yeah, we yeah, got a big, big Rancho yeah, following. Rancho. I know this about <laughs> you guys. I've done my, <laughs> I, I set my technocrats out on you. <laughs> Good. Uh, and but but like they would drive like they heard about Mare, right? They would drive into Los Angeles and go yeah. to Mare. Oh, they, they see can't. me on guide like today on guide. Well, maybe not today because there's a time lapse between when you recorded. It comes out Monday, so the two days. day we recorded this, I was on Guy's Ranch Kitchen. Yeah, right, making the orange chicken burrito and the bulgogi quesadilla uh, from Chino. 
because I'm an opportunist. And right. So whatever theme that they asked me to do, it didn't matter. I was still going to be doing a restaurant. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> One sure, of my restaurants. Sure. Well, you, it spans across so many different styles of cuisine yeah. now, too. It's like... Yeah, I, I, got, I got you covered, dog. Yeah, what do you true. want? I got you. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like that drug dealer who opens up the briefcase. <laughs> and like, I got the pills. I got the banana. I got all the stuff. <laughs> um, but like, I realized, I'm like, great. Like, millions of people just saw those things. If they come to Los Angeles, unless they're staying in a hotel... On Washington and Normandy. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, they can't get it. They're not getting my shit. Yeah. That's a little bit frustrating. And I think that, so I think that the future in facilities like this, if there is no place for somebody, like you guys are in the building now. There ain't no, I'm not asking people to come here and eat. Yeah, you can't. Because you can't. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. Um, if not, it's going to come down to the big players. Yeah. Like the people, because like there's people in here like Cantor's or Fat Sal's, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Sweet Green was in here for a while. Like they just, they're brand extensions. It doesn't matter. Like their brands are recognizable enough that I'm downtown. I go to USC. I turn on my my Uber yeah. and Cantor's pops up. Yeah. I'm assuming it's coming from Fairfax. Yeah. Right. I, I always assumed it. I mean, I live but by That's because you live there. But, but if you were downtown right now or in Pasadena, because there's another ghost kitchen in Pasadena that they're doing it out of. Yeah. Like they turn it on. Nobody stops things like, how's it getting from Fairfax yeah. in 20 minutes? They just go, oh, I know Canners. And I'll buy it. Yeah. yeah. Those people have the chance to succeed in this industry, how it stands right now, in this part of the industry right now. I just don't know how many of those there are that will sustain a facility like this. Yeah. And I don't know how many of those there are that eventually won't be like, yeah, we'll just open up another restaurant. Right, right, right. Black right. out the doors and not deal with this. Right. So I don't know. I think that the people who run these facilities, like I've met a lot of the movers and shakers in, in all of the companies that are trying to capitalize on the real estate side of it. And I think they're all really smart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they hire smart people. Yeah. Smart doesn't always win the race, but it helps. Yeah. And so I think that there's smarter people than me trying to figure it out. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Maybe. So, it's definitely interesting. And it kind of goes into my next question. So we talked to Farley Elliott, who I'm sure you, you're aware Love of him. Love that, man. Uh, and aware he, of him. I worship <laughs> <laughs> One of the things we talked about is how difficult it is to keep a restaurant open in Los Angeles, no matter how good it is, really. Yeah, it's like, so It's hard. so hard. This what town you, is... What, why is that? I think that, A, because this place is so spread out, there's a lot of real estate. So there's yeah. a lot of places you can open up a restaurant. Yeah. Um, I think, but I, I think that a, so. There's a lot of competition. I um I and which wasn't always the case, but it's definitely the case now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that a lot of it has to do with um. People, the way people view dining in this town is it's entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, and what's the biggest form of entertainment in Los Angeles? Television and film, movies. Yeah. Right? And so, like, going to a restaurant right now is like going to a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Where you're like, I'm gonna go there. If I love that movie. I'll tell people I love it. I'm still not going back to see it again. Mm. If I hated that movie, I'm going to tell people I hated it and I'm not going back again. Yeah. And I'm equally as entertained by the movies that I hate because I can just sit around and talk shit yeah. as I am about the movies that I love. Yeah. But I'm not going back. Mm. Right? And then, in, so, so that, it's really because, hard to get somebody to come back because there's so many options. Because so there's they so many options. Try and guess what, dude? Every week, every month. The yeah. 30 new restaurants you have to try. Yeah, yep. yeah. Who the fuck eats out more than 30 <laughs> times a month? You can't even get through the list before yeah. there's another list. Yeah. But does delivery yeah. change that? I mean, like, people are people will deliver it or get it delivered. And that's again. the thing. I think that there's actually a lot of brand loyalty in delivery. Yeah. I think there's a ton of brand. Like, I don't even know the name of the Thai place that I order to my house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I order from it every, every week. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it. I mean, I'm thinking so about it. Definitely that. Yeah. 
You know, there's that. It's such a change. Like, look, technology is changing every industry in the world, right? The food business is not, like, I don't think it's going to eliminate brick and mortar restaurants. I think people need escapes and people yeah. need ambiance and people need those things. But I do think it's, it's, it's here to stay. And I do think it's, an, it's a total strong play. Um, and I'm happy to be learning from it and be on, 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 on the cusp of it. I mean, I, I've had people pull me aside and like, what's it like to be like the leader of a movement? And I don't know if that's necessarily true, but I like to think that of all the chefs in the world right now yeah. who have their finger on the pulse of how this shit works, I'm probably the guy. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're creating like a niche of that movement. Yeah. The problem is my fear is like, and I don't know if you're Beastie Boys fans, but like my fear is like, am I check your head or am I Paul's boutique? Because I, if I'm check your head, we're in the money. You know what I mean? But if I'm <laughs> right, right, Paul's right, boutique, right, right. it's like, oh, remember Eric Greenspan did this five years ago? That was so smart. Now we're all making money on it. But what? Okay. But, but that's the thing you don't you don't know, and it very well could be Amazon of of you know of the future. Personally, what album do you want to be? Money aside, what do you want to reflect? I mean, success wise, obviously, like check your head to me was that perfect balance of like art artistically great but like hit at the right time where it blew yeah, up. yeah 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 like i think that i think that paul's boutique is a brilliant album right it's brilliant yeah but when it came out everyone's like what the fuck is this yeah, yeah yeah like nobody got it and they didn't get it until check your head came out cool and then everyone was like wait a minute paul's boutique was even better than this yeah you yeah, yeah. this is the second podcast in a row that i've done that i've wound up talking about the difference the between <laughs> check your head and paul's boutique i, was, I did richard blaze's starving for attention podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't talk. We'll leave that out. Uh, you guys can leave that I did the... <laughs> <laughs> we have a hard beef with yeah, Richard Blaze. Yeah, yeah. um, but I did... Uh, but I did have this exact same conversation. I'm going to stop the Beast Boys on my spirit animal. We're the Agli Oliolio of podcasts. Yeah. We're just, <laughs> oh, just the I don't know any of these references. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's talk about the chicken. Uh, so we have... A, a, we, we had a, ah, a few tenders. Chicken. Yeah, that's what we're here for. <laughs> let's talk a little bit more about how we made the tenders. Well, we watched you guys make the tenders and uh, talk... Correct the, maybe the misconceptions we uh, put out there in our last oh, that's episode. That's right. You got, so when, you, when Nicole was on your show and she did her research right, so I'm not disparaging her. She's a damn good journalist and she mm-hmm. found out the right information. There was talk about how we cooked our chicken in yeah. the brine and sous vide first. We did do that at first. And, we, and, and this is the best part about a ghost kitchen, by the way, is that like these are like the eighth or ninth iterations of all of these things. Yeah. Yeah. Usually you open up a restaurant, you open it, that's what it is. Ghost kitchens kind of give you the ability to change things pretty mm-hmm. easily mm-hmm. and really recognize the effect of them pretty quickly. Yeah. It's strange. Like, even the way you word a menu where you're like, let's change the way we word the sauces. And all of a sudden, the sauce just starts selling and you mm. notice it. Yeah. It's weird. Um, we stopped doing that because we realized that the, that the, the dredge with the flour part, right, doesn't adhere to the chicken as well and doesn't give you that crackle. So it winds up coming off like a more of a breaded tender. And I like a breaded tender, but we're trying to go for like southern fried chicken. So yeah, that's yeah. what we're trying to do here. Yeah. So we Where now, the breading is an accent. We now it. brine hard, but we don't cook. We don't pre-cook. Okay. Yeah. And there was a lot of reasons why we tried to do it. It was like to make sure to make it deliver better, to ensure that it was cooked while you weren't, you know, because like you can't pay as close attention to shit here as you can in other restaurants because you're not just frying tenders. You're also yeah. making breakfast burritos and stir and rice bowls and all sorts of other shit. Um, but that's the thing that, that, and that this was something I pointed out in the, in the episode with Boob was that these places in here, Cantor's, Fat Sal's, they're not thinking the way you're thinking in terms of how am I going to deliver this? Will it be as fresh when they get there? Like they're just, they're just doing their, they're normal, just doing their, their thing. thing. Yeah. That's I try to, look dude, I mean, I'm a, 
at the end of the day, I'm a fine dining Michelin star chef who yeah. likes to make fried chicken. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I'm going to pay attention. Like, but you'll yeah. talk to Johnny Razon. Like, like, he's the same kind of guy. Like, he was trained in those kind of environments. And so the attention to detail is important. Like, to me, it's like, I realize, like, I am serving. And, and that's also the strength. Like, fat cells and canners also can't change their food for delivery yeah. because their food is their food. Yeah, yeah. people will notice and probably say something. Ours has started with delivery and it's fresh. Sure. So yeah. You, yeah. That's cool. It was funny when I when I did the Boo Boo's Burger for Zach Brooks at Smorgasburg, and I was trying to get we we wound up doing a Smorgasburg pop up there. But like when I first served him the burger, and I served him, he's like, "Dude, I can't get you guys in." I'm like, "What the fuck? It's a delicious burger." He's like, "The bread's terrible," hmm. and I realized, I'm like, "Wait a minute, this is the first person, including myself, who's ever tasted this burger right off the grill." Mm. Oh, because I always took it and we got an extra dense bun. Yeah, and so when we wrapped it, because like burgers don't deliver well typically. Yeah, when we wrapped it, it would steam up mm. nice, and by the time you ate it, thirty minutes later, it was it's nice money. and soft. But it wasn't for wow. him. Wow. And so I had to. That's how much how into the delivery part of it we are because it's everything. Yeah. yeah. So we changed. So I wound up. You want to talk about a smash burger? We don't smash the patties. We just smash the whole burger. We build the whole burger. Yeah. And then. Press it so that the meat, the burger gets even more dense, but it gets warmed up yeah. and soft so that you could eat it off the griddle oh. as well. And you can do both. I love and now you can do both. Burgers. So and then he, and I made it for him again. He's like, all right, now you're in. Damn, so, dude, that's fucking awesome. It's funny how that. So works. talk about. So you do a, a, a brine now, and then you said you pressure cook the brine. So we we no we vacuum seal, seal it in the brine yeah. so that the brine penetrates real quick yeah instead of having to leave it in the brine for a long time because we then marinate it in equal parts brine and like an herb and garlic infused oil and we want to leave it in that marinade to take on the subtlety of that garlic for a little bit longer sure and so we don't want to go from like two-day brine two-day marinade you're frying it on your fifth day yeah that's kind of gnarly and so we wanted to like uh, wanted to speed up the brine process so that we throw in the marinade process Cool. Yeah, and then the, after the marinade, that goes straight. You, you don't do any sort of egg wash or, or no egg wash, no buttermilk. Like we get the acid from the from the brine. Okay. Um, and I think that it tenderizes it enough. But then we go into a batter. We do a loose batter mm-hmm. of what is in it. I will not tell you, but I do tell you that it is designed so that it sticks to the chicken in a little bit of a different way, so that mm-hmm. it, so it, it can solve for steam. Yeah. One of the things that gave me a woody when we, when when you on your first podcast gentlemen <laughs> was that you you got it delivered and you you caught it right away you're like this shit was delivered to yeah. us yeah. and it's crunchy and so like we put a lot of work into making that happen i mean that was our first delivery episode we ever attempted yeah, yeah. and it I mean, it knocked it right out of the yeah. park. I don't even want to do another delivery yeah. episode cuz yeah. if they're not doing what you're doing then they're not doing I it. I appreciate that. So we do a batter and that batter has the consistency of buttermilk so it adheres to the dredge yeah. the same way, but it adds a little bit of leavening and a little bit of other things that we're looking for. Yeah. We also use that same batter as the coating for the orange. Like we go batter no dredge for the chicken, for the orange chicken burritos for Chino. Yeah. And then it's batter dredge for boo-boos. Okay, cool. I got to try that Again, like that kind of like the ghost kitchen thing is like, yeah. Yeah, yeah using it all, all across yeah. the board. I got to try this. The boo-boos is the only one I've, I've had. Yeah, well, I'll send you home with some orange chicken burritos. I'd be down with that. Um, and then you also made us some uh, spicy chicken. Which yeah, I, I we didn't do, try. We do, so we do hot chicken. Right yeah, we do that. hot chicken for sure. Yeah. I want to take a bite into these sandwiches. Let's. So okay, so this is the one that you guys I think was brought up 
in conversation. Yeah. You saw it on the menu yeah. and you said you wanted to try it. Yeah. And that's why I agreed to do this show <laughs> is because I wanted you to try it. So this is our cornbread waffle. I'm just going to go for it. Me and my partner weren't able to decide whether we we're going to do cornbread or waffles for our chicken. So we made a, so he's like, how about you do a cornbread waffle? Hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's smart. Yeah. This is the exact same fried chicken and waffle sandwich on brekkie. <laughs> um, so it's a cornbread waffle. It's got a little sweet potato in it. A fried egg, American cheese, maple mayo, and the chicken tenders. It's amazing. And I think that, like, and look, dude, like, and, and like, I'm not, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tout myself a little bit. Like, I know how to make sandwiches, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm, in, I'm nationally recognized as some, as one of the leader, leading minds in sandwich making. Yeah. I think this might be the best sandwich I make. I think it is so unbelievably good. This is a nap time sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. The Weight Watchers ambassador in me is watching you eat it going like, fuck, I want a bite. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, what's that been like? The being a Weight Watcher ambassador, yeah? Life changing, yeah. It's been I gotta great. say, I mean, you've been on TV and in the media over time. Like, yeah. You look incredible. Thank you've, you. You've lost so much weight. 75 pounds. Yeah. Yesterday. Like that's, that's awesome. Yeah. You lost what? 75 pounds in one day? Yeah, it's crazy, right? <laughs> that's this good. Weight Watchers really does work. Wow. They say that's not good for you. <laughs> you know, I feel good. Uh, can you make me a Weight Watcher? <laughs> I can't make you an ambassador, but I can definitely hook you up. Sign me up. Yeah. yeah. I, I, uh... Eric has talked about going on various diets and things. Yeah. Dude, I, you you got my number now. You hit me up. Yeah. You I, let me know um... when you're ready. You have to be ready for it, but it hasn't know, been. It's yeah. been amazing. That's the big thing. Like, I, the best thing about Weight Watchers is that I don't have, like, dude, like, I, the first year I was a Weight Watchers brand ambassador, I was launching all of these brands. Damn. <laughs> the amount of R&D that it takes to launch yeah. all of these delivery brands. The fact that I was able to eat and test and create all of that, frankly, like delicious junk food. Yeah. Yeah. And still lose weight. What did you do? Did you just take a bite and give it to someone else? Like, how did you eat no, all that you food? Just you just work it into like, the points? The beautiful thing about Weight Watchers is it learns how to you quantify things. Mm-hmm. And so you realize the trade off. You're like, okay, like I just, like I started, I had a clicker and I would come to work with a clicker. Yeah. And I would check how much I ate. Uh, like just in doing my job, never mind sitting down for a meal. Like for your points and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I realized, like, well, on the days that I work, I'm eating, I don't know. A million points. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I know. It's like, all I want to do is just sit. On the days that I work, I'm eating vegetables. Oh, sure. Right, to offset. That's all I'm having. Yeah. Sure. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner is like roasted vegetables and raw vegetables and hard-boiled eggs. You know what I mean? And that's how you do it. When as I used to, like, I didn't count what I did at work as eating. Right. Be- right. But and then you're like, all right, now it's lunchtime. For like, sure. I just worked for four hours. It's time for lunch. Totally. Well, shit, man. Like, in those four hours, I ate more food than you're supposed to eat at lunch. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think it's cool. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't, appreciate I don't, it. I don't have the... Um, I'll tell you what, dude. I'm... I'm I feel great and I'm super proud of it. Yeah. I'm super proud of the impact that I make on people too. It's like, I've, I've always been really stoked that like cooking great food and delicious food and gnarly food and blah, blah, blah has always made people really happy. Yeah. Um, but now I'm getting, you know, I, 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 I'm constantly stopped by people who are like, you are inspiring me to take better care of myself. Yeah. And like, it's fucking hard. Dude. And yeah. And <laughs> one thing that I've never thought in my life that I, how I, like I always knew I was going to reach people. Like I consider myself a mentor and a guide and a mm-hmm. teacher and a chef mm-hmm. and, and, an, and an entertainer. I never thought I would reach somebody by like helping them make positive choices in life. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's dope though. Like honestly, Kinda that's cool. the coolest. Yeah, I think. Very rewarding. 
I want to talk about this spicy, uh, this hot chicken real quick because it's 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 a full mouth burn, mm-hmm. and I've recently discovered I'm more of a I'm actually a little bit of a spice boy. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you tell? There's like a sweet, uh, there's like a sweetness that comes through first. There's definitely a sweetness in there. Yeah. Um, I, I know Helen Ray's like very my, protective about there, so if you don't want to like divulge a couple, too many I mean, secrets, like, but like for me, it's there's there's some sugar in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I wanted it to make sure that it wasn't a punitive heat. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure, like, what I've learned, so I never ate spicy yeah. until I went to Thailand on my honeymoon. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm gonna be, I'll be damned if I'm the chef who's going to be like, no, 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 make my, yeah. I, I'm not going to be that American. Yeah. Make mine mild. Right. And what I learned was that the Thai do an amazing job of balancing heat with vinegar and, yeah. and, and palm sugar mm-hmm. and sweet. And that that was kind of the key. So the way that you can reach really good levels of heat where it comes yeah. and then it chills. Yeah. Like I feel that our hot chicken is great at like, whoa, that's hot. And then the minute you're just like, hope it stops, it actually does. Yeah. As opposed to typically, I hope it stops. It's not stopping. It's not stopping. Right, yeah, it's just like, getting I worse. Don't like, I don't like going into like, okay, now I'm afraid. And yeah. it's too late. It's like a bad, like, to me, a lot of hot chicken out there right now is like a bad acid trip. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. And it starts it's hurting like, your it's stomach still coming, and all It's that still stuff. coming. Yeah. Fuck. You feel a little drunk. Yeah. 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 Fuck, dude. Now I can't listen to the dead. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, nobody yeah, yeah, wants yeah. to get there. Um, yeah. And then let's talk about this last sandwich here. What's this one? The Angry talk about Bird. It already? That's the Angry Bird. Okay. So this started off as a fried chicken breasts, and then we moved on to tenders. But this is basically like our grilled cheese. Um, it's been sitting here for a little bit, but you should be cool because it's a delivery-only restaurant. Um, so these are the hot tenders. So the, the, the fried chicken waffles are standard tender. This is the... Right? And it's on, like, grilled Texas toast, right, with American cheese and pickles. Are you going to do it, Eric? Yeah, I'll do that. I'll tell you. No, no, not you, Eric. This Eric. Oh, this Eric. Well, pre- Eric. great. So Eric's... We haven't talked about this, but Eric's got a food thing. Yeah. I don't... Napkin. You don't do what? He doesn't do anything. <laughs> he is only yeah. strictly tenders. Are you serious? Not just stri- but I, I just don't like ex- I don't like pickles or mayonnaise or like it's very particular. I mean, yeah, I just it. think that if you balance it, you balance it. <laughs> is it is it blasphemous <laughs> if I just do the bottom part where there's no pickles? Fuck yeah, it is. You got a bite of that sandwich. You goddamn right, blasphemous. You could not like it. But yes, that's blast. I'm gonna go ahead and say yes, it's blast. Should I? Did you not this? hear the part that I said about the sandwich crafting and the recognition? No, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, dude, eat it. Eat that shit. Okay. You don't have to like it. Just this is just for you. I want to I, know I appreciate how, it. How big Make sure you get it. You want me to make you like the perfect bite so you get everything at once? So you don't have to go back. No. No, I didn't think you did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna. Yeah. All right. I'm just gonna go from the middle. What do you think? It's good. Yeah, it's great, but. You'd still rather just have the chicken. That's like that's my thing. Like, I I'll, get it. I'll eat something. I'm like, yeah, that's good, but not adding it to my diet. Okay. I feel it. Yeah, I think this one's the the one. You think? But in but I think, and this is just like a personal preference. I I think that it's better hot, but I would want to try it without the hot in it. Uh huh. The American cheese really uh, subsides the hotness. Yeah. Yeah. But just a nice I'm cheesy. I'm the exact opposite as you. Like I want. I want to try the hot in the waffle sandwich. I mean, that would be amazing, too, because mm-hmm. the first thing you do with chicken and waffles is cover it in hot sauce. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I do every mm-hmm. time. So it makes sense. But yeah, I mean, all of this is banging. 
Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. And I'm so glad. I that was leaving were... that waffle sandwich for you to eat, and then when you, when you just went out, I'm like, oh, I don't like waffles. Yeah. like, fuck <laughs> you. I was I was waiting to see what he was going to do with it, like to see if he would bring, like, hey, guys, I don't eat this. And anymore. I was waiting for one of you to eat it, so I'm glad this all worked So out. the thing about our tenders that I love, too, is the crackle. Yeah, oh, I mean, that's, like, that's, we, that's very important to me as, a, as individually as a tender person. I, I mean, don't think you find it that much in a lot of tenders. It's, it's hard because people, people, I feel like if they have tenders on the menu, unless it's a place where chicken's in the name or bird's in the name, they don't care. Well, they're not doing southern fried tenders. They're doing breaded chicken tenders. Right. Most yeah. places do breaded chicken tenders. You don't get the crags unless you're going southern fried. Right, exactly. And we talked about it on our last head-to-head, and I'm sure we'll talk about it on this one. There's different types of tenders. He leans more towards a breaded, like, uh, roller rink tender, right. and I lead more towards a gastropub. Roller rink tender. Yeah. And, like, you know, something that you get there. And I, I lean more towards a gastropub southern fried Show chicken like this. So I think, I don't know, the craggles <laughs> on this, like, fucking crush it. Yeah, well, I mean, this is so good. And, and there have been, we've, we've had a lot of tenders, and there's only a few, probably like a handful, maybe five places where I think about, I'm like, that, that, those are the tenders I think about. Those are the ones that if I go out and get tenders. Well, and it's, to me, the crackle, we worked for months. Boo Boo's was the last brand we launched. Yeah. Because we worked for months to get that crackle where we wanted it. Yeah. You, you got it there. Yeah. You know and it. to get it to be able to deliver. Like, we yeah, caught it a couple layer. times. We caught the fire, and then we would lose it on the delivery. Right, yeah. sure. <laughs> <coughs> Woo! There's just so many things to play with. You know, you're like, it's like you're working, you're spinning two plates, trying to make it good for delivery and trying to make it a lot it of different like levers perfect. you have to pull. To yeah. Do it. But I love, like, again, like we said at the beginning of the show, I love challenges. Yeah. We have definitely chosen a significant challenge. Yeah. yeah. And a new challenge, too. That's something that, you know, you're going to be ahead of the game when, if this does become the future, mm-hmm. if ghost kitchens are the future, mm-hmm. you're already at, at, I'm the, gonna, at yeah. the start of it, you know? Um, well, I mean, it sums it up. We, we, we told you before we love boo boos. Um, if you're in LA, Check out Uber Eats. What else is on Grubhub? And it's on everything. Everything. Uber Eats, Postmates, Grubhub. You can probably order off of our website directly. Okay. Which is probably the best. What's your website? Uh, at Altgrub, www.altgrubfaction.com. Okay. And all the different brands are there, but you can also order from just the, the, the we, website. We, we ordered, we ordered it website. just straight from the website. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's awesome. Thank you so much for being on. Guys, thank um, you. Good luck to you. Thank, thank you. Because I'd like this competition to continue. Not that I'm pulling for, for Tender <laughs> Eric, even though he's got a great name. No, no, no. It's cool. Well, and by the way, you're, you, you are, I don't know if we talked about this, but God. You're, you're tender Eric now. That's, yes, that's you, you, Chef Eric, I'm yeah. tender Eric, yeah. and that's fine. We, yeah. we have to make Earned. a distinction. Yeah. yeah. Even when you're not here, it's like. Even when I'm not here, it's tender Eric. Tender Eric, yeah. Uh, we'll definitely let you know who wins. Um, I'm hoping it's I'll be me, listening. But uh, good. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you again for being on. Anything else you want to add? Or? No, guys, I mean, keep killing it. Thank I love you. your passion. I love your zeal for what you guys do. <laughs> Thank so, you so, so much. We appreciate it. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back next week for uh, episode two of Chef Month with Holden Jagger, um, where he's going to talk uh, mostly about 420 chicken yep. and how to infuse it, which we've done a few times already on the show. Uh, so that'll be exciting. And maybe, are we going to make 420 chicken? I think we are. At, I mean, at the end of the month, or one of us going to do it? Oh, I'm not. Uh, I just want to know. Basically, we've done it so many times and fucked it up. I just want to, he knows how to do it right. Yeah. So let's talk about, before we go, one more thing, you, where, the event you just came from. Oh, uh, yeah. My buddy Lawrence. Well, actually, you guys probably know Lawrence. He came on our 420 episode this yeah. year, Young LC. Uh, he just had a huge show down at the Pico Union Project where he did like some live comedy and music. And I made the what is currently the world's largest chicken nuggets 57.1 pounds what and, the fuck yeah 
Uh, it's on display right now at the show <laughs> as we speak. I had to bail early to come here. Um, but yeah, it was a wild experience. We can go more into it. I have a video that I might cut together we can put up. Okay. We'll post some stuff on and, social uh, media. It was a fucking wild experience. Yeah. It's, I, I, I got to say, I was not, uh, I was skeptical. It's to fucking, say the least. It's perfect. But I'm, it glad, I'm glad it worked out for you because yeah. that would have been a large waste of time. No. So I'm glad it worked. It's never a waste of time. That's good. I mean, what, we have a host. We do a chicken tender podcast. So who am I? Right, that's a what waste I said. of time. Somebody said, "Was this the biggest waste of time?" I said, "No, I'm two years into a chicken tender <laughs> podcast." I said, "Okay, never mind." Uh, all right, we'll see you guys next week. Follow us at Tender Friends uh, on Instagram at Tender Friends Pod uh, on Twitter at Tender Friends, and uh, we'll be back for part two of Chef Month in one week. Bye, bye. Tender friends.